and welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to A Quarter of Three Strands. Again, this is your host, Ron Young, and I am Allison Liss, I think for our last time, and uh, Allison will be back with us um, for uh, the n- next episode, which is on Easter. Um, today, we're uh, I'm talking about Holy Week. Um, so we've talked Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, and now Holy Week, and so the the um, the common date be- with Holy Week and Lent is um, Palm Sunday, and we're going to start with Palm Sunday. So, one of the things you'll notice in the Gospels is that each of the Gospels is is about half of it. Half of each of the Gospels are talking about almost three years of Jesus's ministry. You know, maybe, you know, Matthew and Luke will talk about his, um, his, uh, birth, um, you know, those kind of narratives, but most of it, you know, really starts with Jesus's baptism and, and goes to his, uh, until he gets to Jerusalem. Okay. So nearly half of the pages of the synoptic gospels in particular, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, deal with those three years leading up to his death and resurrection. Um, Transfiguration, which is the last Sunday in Epiphany, you know, it's Jesus teaching, okay, now I get, now that you know, you know who I am and I've just showed you my glory here on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's, he says, we get, we gotta, I gotta go to Jerusalem now to die. He sets his face like flint, as the gospel say, to go to Jerusalem in order to die. And he has to continue to explain, like, I gotta go die. Other half of these gospels, like in terms of content, are really the last week of Jesus's life. Think how much teaching Jesus does in his last week of his life. It's an, it's a, it's incredible. So Holy Week, it it be, begins with Palm Sunday, and um, Palm Sunday is. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I I loved Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, you know, we had the palm fronds we all waved them and we sang really kind of cool songs and um there were times when i uh, one time when i was a kid they had a donkey brought in and we kind of processed around the neighborhood with palm fronds and this donkey you know to try to attract people to come to church and that was kind of cool and um 
you know, when I pastored, uh, we always had palms that came out on Palm Sunday and, uh, and it was really, it was a really neat thing. And, um, the ritually, um, also laid those same palms down on Good Friday, uh, around the cross and, and just good stuff. I, I just really like Palm Sunday. So here's why Palm Sunday is such a big deal. Okay. Palm Sunday is Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And if you, if you follow the narrative, uh, you know, the arc of the story and, uh, the, if you look at the, all, all the first half is Jesus, um, doing things that show he is the Messiah, that he is the King who is to come. And people are asking, is this the Messiah? Is this the Messiah? And Jesus only showed signs. So this is what scripture says. Scripture says that the blind are going to see and the lame are going to walk and, you know, those types of things. And what is Jesus doing? He's doing those very same things. And so the idea here is, is that uh, Jesus is doing, if you have eyes to see, you have ears to hear, you can tell that this is really the Messiah because of what he's doing. Um, and once his disciples, you know, the confession of Peter, you are the Christ. Um, then you have the transfiguration and, and now Jesus goes to Jerusalem to die. Um, Jesus is setting up a way in which he's going to fulfill prophecy that, that says that he is going to appear in, in uh, Jerusalem and he's going to come riding on the don on a donkey on the, the colt of a donkey, you know, and, um, and Jesus sets it all up to do this. And then people start shouting their hosannas from Psalm 118. And it, and it is, it is Jesus's way of showing or declaring publicly that he's the Messiah. In, in other words, up until Palm Sunday, you can speculate whether you think Jesus is the Messiah or not. You can think, well, he's the king or not. But but once Palm Sunday happens, is you're forced to make a choice. Either he is the king or he is a fraud. You can't you can't not have a side. Okay? And so this is what Jesus is doing. He is coming up and showing himself publicly to be the king, riding to the king city. And you have to decide, is Jesus king or is the Caesar in Rome king? Is the Herodian family, are they king? Who's king? Is it Jesus or someone else? And this is important for us. Um, as in the, in the life of the church is to, to, to be confronted with that again, right? The, the, the CS Lewis puts it really nice that Jesus is not a moral, good moral teacher. All sorts of people will claim that Jesus was a great man, but Jesus doesn't claim to be a great man. Jesus claims to be the son of God equal with the father that he is the king of kings lord of lords and so you you can't you can't just 
not make a decision. Either Jesus is king or he is not. Is he your Lord or is he not? Right? He is either a liar, that is, Jesus knew he wasn't the king, that he wasn't the Messiah, that he wasn't the son of God, that he wasn't divine, and he deceived a lot of people. And if that's true, he's not a great man. Right? He's a liar. Or he's a lunatic, right? He really is not divine. He is not a king. He is not any of that. But he really thinks he is. And he's just fooled a lot of people. Well, it, it seems odd that so many people, believers or not, have considered him a great man, his teachings to be great teachings and good teachings, and yet they're teachings of a lunatic. That doesn't make sense either. So he's a liar or a lunatic, or the only other option, the only other option is that he really is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the divine Son of God, second person of the Trinity, right? And that he's going to come back and judge the living and the dead. Right? There's, there is there is no other choice. There's, you know, I, I think right now the main atheistic argument is to believe that um, all the records we have of Jesus are just made up by people. Well, that's foolishness. Like that's, that's a, that's a big stretch, right? And, um, and, and it's amazing the, the claims that I've heard atheists that say about this. And they're just, they're just preying on people who are, um, who don't know much, um, and haven't thought through these things much or done, done any of the research and just are really, really, really hoping that Jesus, there's a way, there's a third option. That's what people want is a third option. We we don't we want a Jesus who we can rem, we can say yeah he's pretty cool and I'd like to follow these parts of his teachings but not these parts of the teaching because I don't believe that he is the King of Kings Lord of Lords that he's the Son of God I, but I don't want to say that he was a liar or a lunatic I want I want another option and so you know we don't know the historical Jesus we just know his followers you know claims and so it's okay for you to admire Jesus but not be a Christian right that's what people want but you can't it it's it's mental gymnastics to be to do that it it's it really is and it, it's good for us to be confronted at least once a year with the good with uh Palm Sunday um and I know in that okay forgive me for this as the church we we need to Stop doing things because they're cute. Okay. Stop doing things because they're cute. It is. It was great when I was a kid to wave the palm branches and do it because everyone was. Adults were doing it. Everyone was doing it. We were waving probably we were singing hymns and we were processing around because everyone was doing it. I was part of the community, but I don't know. We do it because it's cute, you know, to have the children do it. And we just kind of go, oh, look how cute they are. Like it's uh, sometimes I think that 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 can make it not seem. It, it takes away the power of this of of the day, right? That this is this is the completion of his ministry is to get to the point where he comes in as the king 
so that the people will reject him. And what he's doing is he's starting a fight. I don't know if you realize this, right? But but Jesus is Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die. And in order for him to die, he's picking a fight. He's picking a fight with the religious leaders and with Satan himself, right? This is the, the grand rope-a-dope. Um, if you're not familiar with rope-a-dope, it comes from Muhammad Ali was fighting George Foreman in um, Zaire. Zaire. Um, and George Foreman was, was this big man, powerful, like one of the most strongest and hard-hitting heavyweights ever. Like he's just phenomenally big and strong and powerful. And Muhammad Ali was not right. He was quick. He was, you know, um, and, and so it, it's a Zaire, it's hot and it's humid and it's just, it's going to be a long fight. And without telling his coach, even Muhammad Ali had this idea that he would spend most of his time during the fight, coaxing George Foreman to come in and he would, uh, he, Muhammad Ali had noticed that the, the ropes were a little, um, uh, loose and uh, um, springy. And so what he'd do is he'd position himself up on the uh, on the ropes and uh, George Foreman would just land these huge hard punches on Muhammad Ali. But Muhammad Ali was not the one absorbing the punches like fully. I mean, he was, but it, it, it's the, the spring like the, so the, so George Foreman was expending all the energy, but Muhammad Ali was not receiving all of it because it got absorbed by the spring. And, and what it did was it, it, you know, I think they went 15 rounds and for 14 of it, it just looked like Muhammad Ali was just getting demolished and that he would, he would, he should like get knocked out any moment and he, and he doesn't, he just keeps coming back and coming back and just getting whopped and whopped up. Well, the, the effect was in this hot, humid night, this very large man was becoming exhausted. And then the 15th round came and all of a sudden Muhammad Ali came alive and, and knocked the guy out. And so he called it in his press conference that Muhammad Ali called it the rope-a-dope. He sucked him into this fight and, um, and by absorbing all these blows, everyone thought that, that George Foreman was winning when in actuality the entire time it was part of Muhammad Ali's plan and then in the end Muhammad Ali won. Jesus of picking a fight, showing himself to be the king of kings, and then he went right to the temple and he made judgment on it, right? And you remember that, the, the curse, he curses the fig tree, he, it, which is a sign that the, the, the fig tree is not bearing any fruit, right? And, um, and it, it was a prophetic act um, representing the temple. He goes in, the temple's, um, you know, it's not, not the way it is. He, he overturns the tables, you know, that type of stuff. And, and, um, and he pronounces judgment on the temple and not one stone is going to be left on it. Right. He gave it three years. He, he went to the temple before and, and cleared it, you know, with whips and everything that's found in the gospel of John. And then three years later he comes in and it hasn't remember the parable he taught about the, tr- the fig tree and it wasn't producing fruit. And he says to his master, just, Hey, let me, let me, let me dig, um, dig a hole around it and fill it with fertilizer and water it. And, and if in three years it doesn't show any fruit, then we'll cut it down. Well, that's what the, te- that's the temple. So it wasn't showing fruit. So he, he pronounces judgment on the temple. And ultimately this is what 
what he is charged with is blasphemy against the temple and uh, and him claiming equality with God, right? These are the things that he was crucified for. Um, but this was him picking a fight. He was roping, you know, the sat- satanic, you know, Satan's at work here in the lives of these religious leaders, getting them riled up and and uh, afraid for their power, and and so they they think they got him and they they execute him um, on Good Friday, and um, and it's called good because on it all the sins of the world are placed upon Jesus. He bears them all, and he dies as a sacrifice once for all for all sin, past, present, future. Uh, so that now, through faith in him, we we have salvation. Um, he imputes his right, our sin gets imputed to him, um, past, present, future sin. And his righteousness, his act of obedience through his life, that he remained faithful, is imputed to us. And so Good Friday, we this was the rope Like Satan <laughs> is behind this. And, and he, but Satan lost because this was all part of the plan. And, um, and God, the father accepting his perfect sacrifice for the sins of all, he is, he is raised from the dead, um, on the third day. And, um, and then on ascension, he, he, uh, rose and, um, uh, sits at now at the right hand of the father. And we'll talk about that during the, our Easter episode. So Holy Week really is, is, you, is, Palm Sunday, good for uh, Holy Thursday. We'll get to that one real quick, and Good Friday. And we're most of us are used to Palm Sunday. We know that, and Good Friday. We we know that one. You know the the recognition of Jesus' uh, death on the cross. Which what's really interesting is is that over the last fifty years or so, um, how much of our world has been really trying America. I'm sorry, has been trying to erase. Christian influence in our law and our culture, um, becoming more and more secular, uh, by force. Um, the whole, the whole baby boom generation, um, oversaw this process and, um, they, they think it's been a good thing. They pat themselves on their, the back. It's kind of interesting. Um, but the one thing in our culture that has not succeeded um, is like our public buildings and everything shut down at noon on Friday, on Good Friday, it, to this day, right? Uh, the federal, federal, uh, state, local, uh, noon on Good Friday, people are, uh, offices shut down so that people can observe Good Friday services. Um, I, I, I'm sure that at some point there'll be attempts to, to get, maybe it's just a union thing, right? The, the, the state unions won't allow for that to go away. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a powerful testimony that, that that's kind of the last one to go. Um, you know, and you, you think Christmas, but Christmas has become very secular. Um, you know, all these Santa Claus and all that other stuff has become very, fairly secular. People don't even, all sorts of people who don't, aren't Christian celebrate Christmas because it's the fun thing to do. It's, it's, it, it's hard, but, but Good Friday, it's a hard one to secularize. 
um, you you can try to get rid of it, perhaps. But um, so far, that hasn't been successful. Um, Holy Thursday. Let's let's talk about that. It, another word for it is Monday Thursday. In fact, that's what I had always known of it as Monday Thursday. And Monday uh, comes from a Latin word that means commandment. In other words. Thursday night is when Jesus gave the command that we are to love our um, to love one another as Christ has loved us. So it's no longer just we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. We're supposed to love each other as Christ has loved us, right? So it's it's a it's an added um, way in which we love. Um. So to love my neighbor as myself is to want what's good for them and what's good for me. It's really justice, right? That's that's the idea. It would be good for us to want um, our our neighbors to have justice, to, to to have just laws, to receive what's due them, and and not be stolen from, and you know those types of things. But when Jesus says on Monday Thursday to love each other as he has loved us. Now you're talking about things like I should sacrifice for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I should be willing to die for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Like this is this is pretty powerful. Uh, Monday Thursday is also when he washed his disciples' feet, including Judas, who was to betray him, and it is when the Lord's Supper was given. So in a lot of traditions. Um, you have on Thursday night, you might have a foot washing ceremony, um, a, 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 an agape feast, perhaps some sort of a dinner with, with, um, with the Lord's supper served in it and, um, and, and talk. So if, if you, if you want to get now all philosophical, um, the, um, uh, one of the most famous, um, writings of Plato is, um, symposium and that this is um where uh socrates is invited to a, a symposium and you know where they're they have a little feast and they drink wine after and then they talk philosophy and and that one is dealing with love um and what what you see here is uh jesus's last supper um the the conversation is is about love god Jesus talks about, commands us to love as he is love. He talks about, um, you know, love, especially in the Gospel of John, uh, you can see this. And, and then there's his priestly prayer, and then he is betrayed that night on Thursday night. So it's a big, in, in, the, in the history of the narratives, right, of, of the Gospel, um, Thursday is a big day. Uh, washes his feet. He gives us the new command. Uh, to love uh, as he is loved, he he then has communion with his or Eucharist, the great Thanksgiving with his um, disciples. Uh, then he goes off to the garden to pray. He gives a priestly prayer that's from John seventeen, and then he's betrayed into the into others' hands, which then leaves you with Good Friday. Um, I when I became a pastor, I asked the people if they've heard. Because a lot of churches would either have a Good Friday or a Monday Thursday service, right? Um, churches I went usually had a Monday Thursday service, and then there was some sort of ecumenical Good Friday service with other churches. 
And so I asked, I said, are you guys, a good, are you guys Monday, Thursday people? Or are you good Friday people? And they said both. And I was so happy about that because then you can coordinate your services together, you know, Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. And you might say, why? Wow, that's a lot. And I say, yeah, it was all, all good. Now, in, in, in my tradition, in my opinion, even, I think it's all true. The only thing that's really required of us is Sunday morning worship, right? Sunday worship, um, to, to go on the Lord's day to worship him. Um, is it, uh, wrong to have Monday, Thursday services and good Friday services? No, it would be wrong to require them to be able to say to the, to the people like you have to go to these services. I think those would be wrong. Um, but to have them, I think are, are good things, right? And they're, they're permissible. The, the, the question, big question would be, um, should you, uh, have Lord's Supper on Monday, Thursday then. And, um, you know, and I've been in traditions that have done that. Um, I'm in the Presbyterian church, PCA church. And, um, the ordinary means of grace is usually give on is on, um, Sunday morning and we're not supposed to make special, like I, you know, the, the, the Lord's Supper is for the, the whole body. And, um, I, I, I would have a problem with us offering Lord's Supper on a Thursday. That's not a mandatory, but it's not a, it, it's a, it's not a required service. It's a, it's a, it's an occasional service. So I, I don't think it would be appropriate, but I like the idea of having the Monday sur- Thursday services. Uh, I've been to ones where we've washed each other's feet. That's, that could be a very powerful thing. Most people are very it's very awkward for a lot of people. Some people, people don't even show up because they don't want to show their feet, <laughs> which tells you how amazing it is that Jesus washed other people's feet. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to remember what took place. Right. And now, now here's the, here's the big part of it that needs to be understood too. Jesus in telling us to love as he has loved, washing the feet, like becoming a servant, a slave, and to wash even Peter, who he, his disciples who he knew were all going to um, turn away from him, um, abandon him at his hour of need, that um, Peter was going to deny him three times um, that very night um, before the cock crows three times. Or twice, I'm sorry, and, and um, Jesus, uh, Peter would have And then Judas uh, uh, Iscariot has already betrayed him and is going to bring the soldiers to the Garden of Gethsemane and betray him with a kiss that night. He still washed his feet. Okay, so what that tells us is, like when Jesus is saying to love, and he's our example, this is what he's talking about. And that's powerful to be reminded of it. Um and then that he was willing to go to the cross for us who also have abandoned him, who has betrayed him, who have, who have sinned against him, who, right? This is, this is a powerful thing. The other part to it is, is that he set up the Lord's Supper on that, uh, you know, Passover. Uh, it was in the context of a Passover meal, is that he's interpreting his death beforehand. So his death isn't a surprise. His death is not only expected, but he's already told us what the, the, his death means, right? That he is the, his broken body 
his shed blood is is for the forgiveness of sin. He is the Passover lamb. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He has provided, you know, his 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 blood shed is the uh, this this cup of blessing. It 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 all shows what his sacrifice that his his crucifixion isn't an accidental death. It's been a planned death, and it has a meaning to it. And this is the fulfillment of all these things that the whole sacrificial system has been done away with because of his one death on the cross. And it's powerful to have the Monday, Thursday teaching with the Good Friday uh, thing, all coupled with the resurrection of our Lord on Easter Sunday. But we're going to talk about that in our next episode. 